Good morning again, Redemption Flagstaff. Uh, I'm here with Pastor Anthony, and uh, we're just excited to be able to open up the Word with you and wrap up our series in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, if you haven't been with us, we started five weeks ago uh, just looking at the Lord's Prayer with a huge desire to see us grow in this area, um, especially with everything that's been happening across our world, um, and then trusting that Jesus would meet us in the midst of that. And honestly, I really think he has. Um, we've seen the series kind of build on itself, so it starts with, man, God, you are Father, yet you're also Creator, and, and He's powerful, and then it just builds all the way to where we'll wrap up today. And so if you haven't been with us, I would encourage you to go back and listen, take in kind of what God's trying to do as He, as he crafts us into people of prayer. I personally have, have loved being in this series. I feel like I've honestly felt more convicted about stuff than, than really ever before, and so I, I've really enjoyed it, and I think you have as well. Yeah, I mean, it's been great. Like, uh, you know, we talked about this earlier a little bit, but a few years ago when we went through the Sermon on the Mount together as a whole church, that's a number of years ago now, uh, we only got to spend a week or two on the Lord's Prayer, and I remember even right. then wanting to spend more time in the Lord's Prayer because of how important I think it is for the, for the Christian's prayer life. Like, I think it yeah. should be something that... We are familiar with in a way that's not just rote and not just reciting it, but it's just something we're actually doing. Uh, I've heard that a lot actually from people is that this, and, and maybe that is many of your stories of, of like, hey, I, I've prayed it, but I've even heard from people saying like, I didn't even know I'm like, I would, I'm supposed to pray it specifically. Yeah. And just been like, it just feels like it's more like a, it's like a passage, not like, the, no, actually pray this. Totally. And then what that moves people to, it's been yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I mean, it's almost surprising, you know, because it's like, uh, this is something the church has been doing for thousands of years, but the last yeah. 100, 200, however many years, right. it's become too rope for us. So I, I'm really thankful that we Classic. Classic elitist it. us. Like, we're not going to do what they've done for 1,800 years. So. <laughs> um, well, I, I guess there's some know. things we shouldn't do for eight, that. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. That's <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, another thing that kind of just stood out to me. So Today we're going to be concluding our, our series in the Lord's Prayer. The next couple of weeks we're going to be doing some kind of one-off stuff that kind of connects and it's going to be talking about just the season that we're in. But then we're going to hop into Psalm 23 where we hear about God as our shepherd. Yeah. And something that's just significant to me in the midst of that is my dad, he would come into our rooms each night when he was home and wasn't working nights. And he would recite, recite two passages of, of the Bible to us, um, and it was the Lord's Prayer, and it was Psalm 23 wow. every night. And so those crazy. The, those both, yeah, they both have like this special place in my heart mm -hmm. of like uh, my dad like teaching us what it means to pray yeah. and who God is through Psalm 23. So it, you know, it's just kind of a sweet, uh, even in this time, it's like a sweet time to remember my dad coming in and right. now us us as a church doing kind of a similar rhythm together, right. learning both those passages. Yeah, so. to the book of Alan G. Yeah, the book of Alan G. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're actually so. opening up and studying right now. Yeah, totally. No, so. that's great. I, love, I, love, I mean, and honestly, I just love that those are things he's left with each of us kids and that at least remember it. So, um, uh, well, let's let's start off by praying. Uh, like we do every week, we, we love to pray through the Lord's Prayer, either at the beginning of our sermons or end of our sermons. We're going to pray through the Lord's Prayer together, and then... Uh, I'm just going to pray for us in general as a church. And would you pray with me that God would soften our hearts, open our ears, cause us to be people that hear from God. So uh, pray with me the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, I just lift up this time to you right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak through this time of us teaching and dialoguing about this last portion of your prayer. I ask that what we would say, Vince or I say, would be what you'd want to say to us and what you'd want to teach us. God, soften our hearts, make our hearts good soil for the gospel, and even in some sort of way that is more real to us, God, that, that we see that this prayer shows that we have a God who wants us to draw near to him. And so God, help us with that this morning. Open our ears, help us to hear what we need to hear, and help us to know what it means to pray this uh, and, and to even apply this in, in daily prayer for ourselves. So God, we love you and we need you. Amen. Amen. Um, so we're going to zoom in on that last part of the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to read it again for us. Uh, so Matthew 6, verse 13, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, and for the longest time, this, this last part of the prayer it was weird to me. Like, it really? sounds weird from a perspective of, would Jesus do that? Like, would God do that? Yeah. Would he lead us into temptation? That seems not fatherly, yeah. or not, like, good fatherly, yeah, which yeah. we are often taught of him being, and he is. And so just that idea of, like, man, like, why would he ever bring us into temptation? So what's, what is happening? And so I think some of the structure we'll look at is trying to break down what is it actually saying, and then why are we, why should we pray this is, yeah. is kind of a bit of the structure today. But I, but I was starting to think through, like, some of the hesitation on it came from, now that I have kids and just thinking about being a good dad, yeah. was, uh, for many of you know my, my boys, and they're, they're loud and rambunctious, like like any kids, really, but especially these two crazies. And we go to, uh, you know that um, that candy shop downtown? Yes. Sweet shop, right? Yes. Sweet shop. Yeah. And they have the dispensers of candy where you pull it and then all the jelly beans out. can fall out. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'm... Even when I'm with them, they're like pulling stuff out. So yeah. I'm like trying to move the bag as, as fast as I can yeah. so it's on all the floor. And I usually get like 60% of them. And to know. clarify, you're not much of a spanker. That's uh, yeah. I'm, just, I'm, just, yeah. Yeah. So I'm more of a, like, hey, go sit in time out and then eat some jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and so, but just I was thinking through this, like the Lord Leans and Temptation would be the equivalent of me telling Finley and James, hey, fellas, like daddy's going to go across the street. You guys just have fun at the candy shop, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Like, oh, there's all the jelly beans over there. Yeah. Just do you. Or right? almost like, ah, eh, but try not to take all the jelly beans if you could. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, like, here's some bags. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> no, so it's like, hey, listen, don't do this, yeah. but have a good time yeah. at the candy shop, you know? So I literally walk them into the store yeah. and then leave is, 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 is at least what That's I was in my head. Like, yeah, yeah, I was like, man, yeah. this doesn't... This could possibly be what Jesus is talking about. So I think we're going to talk about that a little bit. But one of yeah. the things that we both kind of camped on and realized is... Jesus, this is not, this whole idea of even what he's praying, what he's asking for us to pray is not something he is, that's unknown to him. Right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think a lot of times when it feels like God is doing something unfair or wrong to us, it's not something that his son didn't subject himself right. to, you know? Yeah. And temptation is, is that as well. Like, Jesus came to earth, got baptized, and the Spirit right. leads him into the desert. You see this in Matthew 4. Right. And then Satan tries to tempt Jesus, which is kind of mind-boggling. Mm -hmm. Like, what? Yeah. How is this even? Like, why is this a thing? What's going on? And yeah, why are you here? Right? Yeah, you know, and I, I think there's a lot of 
like theological implications and ideas and things to talk through. Yeah. And in fact, a few years ago, we saw a movie at a conference called Last Days in the Desert, where with Obi Wan Kenobi, Obi Wan Kenobi, yeah. uh, Junior. Uh, That's you, right. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you and McGregor. You, you and McGregor. You. Ewan. Ewan McGregor. Uh, McGregor. Yeah. And he plays Jesus. And I actually really, its if you haven't seen the movie, it's not very famous, but I, I encourage you to go try to oh, watch good. this movie. It's, a, it's an artistic take on Jesus' last days in the desert. But what I love about it is it kind of gets to this um, son of man aspect of who Jesus is right. and what that could have looked like. And I particularly like the depiction of how Satan is presented and how he tempts. I think it's very kind of like screw tape letters-esque. And so, oh, that's good. Um, so yeah, I really, really is, yeah. I, I really like last, last days in the desert. Yeah, last, last days in the yeah. desert. So check that out. But, um, but it, that film just helps me remember that Matthew four uh, reminds us that Jesus himself, in some way, right. subjected himself to temptation, whatever that meant for him. Yeah, and this, and it's like fresh in his mind, right? Yeah, like, that's totally. Matthew four. We're at, we're in Matthew six, yeah. right? You know what I mean? So, and he starts to turn them out in Matthew five. So. Yeah. He, this is literally fresh coming off of this moment being in the desert, and now he's saying, listen, like, I get temptation. Totally. Right? And so, again, so it, it adds a bit of totally. complexity to that. And so, yeah, I don't think that means, like, it, we chase, uh, like, some sort of a trial or a <laughs> temptation experience. Uh, I don't, there, again, it's a mystery, all that was going on with Jesus in the desert in that day. And right. So I, I don't think we chase those things, but I, I think it's probably helpful for us to talk about temptation in general for a bit here look at temptation, yeah. see what it means, and then it will help us to pray this part of the prayer. So um, so let's just talk about that for a bit. Um, I think James uh, chapter 1, verse two, 12, actually, 12 and 13 through 15, actually, mm -hmm. uh, it helps us know what temptation is, see what temptation is, even get a glimpse of how God interacts with temptation, what's going on there, yeah. is, does he tempt us, that kind of a thing. And I think it just kind of clarifies it for right. us. But then just baseline, temptation, if we're just going to define it, it's it's a test or a trial of some sort, yeah. um, almost like a lure uh, towards sin. Uh, also, it's kind right. of maybe how I would define it. And it's it. even, if, if you look right at the language, we've talked about this, is yeah. the, the language of it, it can be used, kind of temptation, test, and trial all have the same root, okay. and so they can be used somewhat kind of interchangeably throughout the text, and then you pull really from... The right scripture interprets scripture, the contextual yeah. elements that are around it, yeah. to really say, okay, what, what's being employed here? Was this temptation? Was this a test? Was it trial? Totally. That type of idea, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Well, let's read that from James. It's James chapter 1, verse 12, and we're going to go through 15, church. And so uh, you can turn there, but you might not turn quick enough. Um, and this is what it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has, con has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So right away, what are, what are some things about temptation that passage is helping us to understand? Yeah, yeah I, I think we can we can pull out a, a, at least four things. I mean, like yeah. each verse kind of speaks, I think gives us some more context for how do we even understand what Jesus is calling us to pray. And so to zoom in on verse 12, let me just reread it so then we can zoom in on it a little bit. But again, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. That's Again, that's the same root word. 
For when he has stood the test, same root word, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. And so I think the first thing that you have to navigate, again, Jesus is asking us and calling us into uh, trying to figure out why, why would we pray this way. The first one is, is temptation is not sin, right? In and of itself, temptation is, is not the equivalent of sin. In fact, yeah. he'll talk about sin itself a bit later. Like, honestly, if... If it were sin, right, like if the temptation piece were sin, if the trial piece were sin, as we see here in James 1.12, there could be no benefit from it, right? Because yeah. there is no benefit that is to come from sin. Like yeah. sin, sin is, it's destructive, it's, um, it, it literally breaks down the fabric of the creation and, and peace and shalom that's been woven from the initial creation. Like sin is all, nothing but destructive. And yeah. so what 12 is pointing us to is, Okay, how can we navigate what Jesus is asking us to pray? I think we have to know that this piece is, is temptation is not in and of itself is sin. And then he'll kind of build onto that, right? Um, but what he is saying, though, is that if you remain steadfast in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the temptation, that goodness will, will follow, yeah. right? And, so, and that goodness, to be very clear, it's not financial gain necessarily. Yeah. I mean, just to, so we're very clear, this isn't, um, if you pass the test, life will be great. Yeah. Um, You'll get everything you want. Right, like, and you might not even get the desired end of that trial yeah. that you desire. But in the midst of it, because God, right, because of Jesus, um, there's goodness to follow. Yeah. Like in the midst of remaining steadfast. He knows what's truly good for you, and that's what you're going to be getting. Yes, yeah. exactly, right? And so in this season, as we're not, you know, we're still in the thick of, Corona time and all that stuff. It's just knowing, hey, no, God, this this is a trial that we that we sit in now. There there is this reality that we can be tempted unto, you know, giving our allegiance to different things. But man, church, will we will we remain steadfast instead? Yeah. Right? Like in the midst of that trial, will we say, no, I'm choosing Jesus. Like yeah. I'm going the way of Christ. That's the yeah. first one. No, that's good. I think, so then if we zoom in on verse 13, it kind of shows us the second thing about temptation that's important, and that temptation, it's not from God, but it's used by God. And so I'm going to reread verse 13 too, and it just says this, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. This is a super important clarification yes. because you could read the lead us not into temptation and think, well, then God sometimes, like, I don't know, he's yeah, you're asking us him to that. not do something yeah. that he normally would yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. And so God makes it clear to us in James that he doesn't tempt us. But it's, I don't bring my kids into the candy store and, and leave. Yes, and leave. Like, I'm not going to put you in that scenario yeah. like that. And so, but... There is just kind of a mystery that the world itself is a place full of temptation. Yes. And God guides us and is with us and allows us to live in that world. And he does test us in a sense. And he does allow us to go through trials in a sense. At least you see that biblically. You see this with Abraham um, being tested. Just right. flat out says in Genesis yep. with Isaac. It just flat out. Yes. Be, and that's a hard thing for us to wrestle with. But again, I think it's because we remove... Uh, our memory from that Jesus himself allows himself to undergo these things in far more unfair yeah. ways. Um, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and plus it's driving us to where we're going to land, which yeah. we're not there yet. So, yeah, 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 yeah totally. totally. So. Exactly. And you see it, these moments with Israel, uh, just yeah. different things like, hey, this is what I want from you. Right. And it's going to be hard in these certain times and places. You see this uh, when Israel is... Uh, 
somewhat like punished essentially for not upholding their end of the covenant. Oh, and they're, totally. they're put into exile. And you see that often the Israelites are in these sinful uh, nations and sinful situations with sinful rulers. So temptation abounds. The, the temptation to worship other gods, the temptation to do things differently abounds, and yet God does not want them to uh, be lured by yeah. that temptation. Yet, God did yes. orchestrate them going into exile. And so there, there's just a church, there's just a mystery we have to wrestle with. Uh, there's a mystery we have to rest in and just go, hey, I, this might be above my pay grade. I might not know this until Jesus returns, but uh, there's just, uh, just a mystery here. It's even a mystery that when Jesus is in the desert, he's being tempted. Mm -hmm. Satan is trying to tempt Jesus. When this verse in James says, God is God can't be tempted. Right. Right. And, so, and you, you kind of read the story. You realize Jesus didn't seem phased by this. Right. You know? And, uh, yeah, yeah. He was like, pretty content with yeah. what his father was doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, it's, it's some of that nuance when you start getting into the semantics of it, which I would, I would even say doesn't necessarily clear it all up. But right. Like, totally. that there is there is then the, this difference that does remain in this idea of temptation versus trial. Totally. Um, and so what, what, what I think James, the brother of Jesus, is trying to be really clear with here is, listen, like, Jesus will never try and lead you towards sin. Like, yeah. he's, he's never wooing you towards sin. And I think, like, just real practically, look, we, we get into conversations with people where they say, well, I think this is where the Lord is leading yeah. me. And it is contrary to scripture. It's contrary to his moral law. It's contrary to just sound wisdom of what, like, life should look like in the kingdom of God. Totally. No, that, that's not, that's yeah. not God. God does yeah. not do that ever, period, yeah. right? But he will potentially test and, and bring yeah. about trial uh, for yeah. a greater purpose. The fact that the world is in this way and God is the ultimate author, and even though uh, you know we brought sin into the world, yeah. uh, is enough to say, hey, we're going to be walking in this world where there's temptation and there, there's going to be mystery there. And so, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's, I think there's some other connections there too. Even, I know you were seeing that that word evil in verse 13 sometimes can even be translated oh, right. evil one. Yeah. And so even yeah. just this kind of idea that Satan is is really sometimes involved with this temptation stuff too is just something to think through. And we Massively. see that just in a, a physical, literal sense with Jesus again in right. the desert. And so. Job to Jesus. You and, know yeah, I mean? yeah, totally. And so I, I know you have in here, you you have a moment of, a, of something James is doing that James is doing here that is a good illustration. Of yeah, I mean, I just want to, so right, James, again, the author of, of this book of yeah. wisdom in the New Testament, right? It's, it's this is James, the brother of Jesus. And just thinking through the lens, like he... It, he would have talked to, he would have known the story of his brother yeah. going into the desert for 40 days and having this battle with Satan, right? Yeah. Like he, this would not have been unknown to family, yeah, you yeah. know? And so I think just the reality of him then reflecting on that story whilst at the same time reflecting on his own past and relationship with his brother, yeah. which we talked about at Easter, was very poor, right? Yeah. Like he's like, I don't love you. I don't want yeah. to follow you. I don't believe you. I'm not going to show up to your death. Uh, we learned that Sunday, right, that he yeah. makes a 180, mind, right, yeah. because of the resurrection. Yeah. Um, but I just wonder if even as he's writing this and penning this letter to the church and saying, like, hey, like, you guys have to understand what I bought into the lie. Yeah. Like, I was wooed by evil. I was wooed by the evil one to believe my own brother yeah. wasn't who he said he was. Yeah. Even amongst the miracles, amongst the temptation that he told me about. 
I was, I was deceived as well. And I just think that's such a wake-up call. Maybe I just speak for me, but I think yeah. for the church to say, like, hey, y'all, like... He's speaking from experience. Like, yes. Great and wisdom in what he's saying. Great yeah. wisdom, and then yeah. we should take it and say, and that's my story too. Totally. Lord, help me. Yeah. Right? So. Totally. No, that's really good. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into verse 14. Tell us a little bit what you feel like temp- we're, what we're learning about temptation. Yeah. Yeah, let me, let me read the verse again as we've been doing this. So we keep pressing in. So um, it says, but each person, so again, but, so in contrast, right? But each person is tempted. So where does this temptation come from is, is what he's answering. But each person is tempted when he or she is lured and enticed by his own desire, right? That, that listen, what, what happens when temptation becomes allies and friends and unites with our own fleshly desire, like that's where problems are going to arise, you know? So I think we often in the midst of uh, sin and and whatever it may be, this disobedience, uh, both in the omissionary and the commissionary ways, we try and find the scapegoat. We try and blame someone else. And what James is saying, he goes, no, no, it's not that temptation isn't part of it, but it only really activates when it all of a sudden rests yeah. with the desires of your own heart. Totally. You know, when those two things meet, that's when you're going to run into trouble. There's something wrong with our hearts. This, that's why temptation yes. even, maybe not why it exists, but why it lures us at right. times. Yeah. And, so, and we're going to drive to that as, as we land this a bit later. But just, again, why do we pray that? There, there's yeah. this internal piece. So again, understanding more about temptation. There's this great quote from John Piper um, that says, The power of all temptation is the prospect that it will make us happier. Mm. No one sins out of a sense of duty, right? That, that the, the wooing temptation and at the heart of all of it, this is what's going to bring about happiness. No one yeah. is like, man, I just really have to sin because I want to sin yeah. and, or, or I have to sin because I have to sin. Yeah. It's because, I don't know, that's better. Yeah. That's over there. That's, that's, Even that's what Even pastorally, I, I feel like a lot of times we get in these situations where like, hey, let's look at what God's word says. Right. It says life is found in these things and in these ways and in this way of love, right. ultimately all rooted in Christ. And a lot of times people's response to us be like, yeah, but I, that doesn't make me happy. Yeah, I, I want to be happy, so right. I'm just going to do this thing. Yeah, I want to be happy. And what's funny about those those stories? I know you and I both have them from time to time. Is I almost appreciate the honesty yeah, of it. Yeah, me too. You know what knowing mean? what their heart. Yeah, is doing. it's like yeah. no, I'm just gonna I'm choosing happiness. Yeah. you know, which is is a false choice, right? Yeah, we yeah. would say like no real happiness and joy is found in, in the ways of the Lord, but. But at least there's this accountability yeah. to self as opposed to like, no, I'm not doing that. Hey, you yeah. are. You really are. Because totally. that's what happens when a world that is filled with temptation, that's filled with sin, uh, it's constantly, it's not neutral. It's constantly trying to woo you to, to yeah. live its way. But when it meets the stuff that we've got, like yeah. our own stuff, that, that's when we run into trouble. Um, and so that, that's, even just that language of luring, I think is just, yeah. it, you know, like I remember fishing in California with my, my parents when I was a kid. And, uh, man, like we, we weren't catching anything. And then this guy just like, you could tell this dude knew how to fish said, Hey, you guys need to switch over to this bait. Right. And yeah. we did, we threw that thing out there. We caught like 10 fish in the first hour. Right. Yeah. It, it, that it's like sin and the world is that enticing. Like it's this yeah. bait that is lingered out there, put out there for us to look at, to gaze upon, to start nibbling on a bit until we bite. And next thing you know, we're caught. Right. Yeah. And so I think just it's in the nature of the fish to go and eat and it's within our sinful nature to go and pursue sin. Yeah. Uh, and so when the, the lure and the bait is out there, we run to it 
but only because of what's inside yeah. of us, you know. That's so, true. Um, so, so wrap, wrap up this part so we, yeah, we I mean, can... Yeah, I mean, in light of that, verse 15 teaches us a lesson that I think sometimes people think we harp on too much, but I don't know if we can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it says this, Then desire, uh, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So, church, like, we love you enough to say this. God tells us sin brings death. Sin leads to death. This isn't just one biblical author saying this. This is the narrative of Scripture that sin brings forth death. So some of you right now, you're watching and you're part of the church and we love you, but you see your sin as like just these bad habits, just like, uh, yeah, maybe it's not loving, but God is actually telling us sin leads to death. Right. The reason there's death in the world is because of sin. Yeah. So sin is serious. Evil is serious. When we allow our hearts to be tempted, that's serious, which is maybe why Jesus right. says this is something to pray about. This is serious for us. It, it's, 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 it's not a joking matter. And then on top of that, sin is, is nuanced. Like there's different ways we sin. It's mm-hmm. not just like just mistakes I make. It's, it's all kinds of stuff. And we're not going to play the videos right now, but if you go oh, to right. the Bible Project uh, on their YouTube page or on their website, what you'll see is they have three word studies on the three different Hebrew words, and they go into the Greek too, uh, on sin, on transgression, iniquity, and sin itself, and, and what that means and what right. that looks like. Really and I, good. Yeah, and it's yeah. a great, a great few videos to just watch and see the depths of our sin, which are important. I think for us in the church, like I talked last week, it's actually good for us to acknowledge our sin and see our sin. And even this week, it's good for us to see that sin uh, leads to death. (laughs) It's not just a bad habit. It leads to killing us. What's amazing, I think, right, about this part of the text is because I think the experience is, okay, well, I... I did this little thing. Yeah. Eh, that's okay. Totally. Isn't it? Once sin has taken root, right? When totally. it, once it's born, it's going to grow, right? Like yeah. If you feed it, like just like any child, right? Like we feed our kids, we feed humans, yeah. animals. They yeah. grow when you feed them. And, and so if we feed our sin, it will grow and it will lead to death, right? Like what you're saying. So just that idea of, I think we can operate on this. Ah, yeah. it's, it's not that big a deal. Totally. It's just a little sin. So no, 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 no. Like, but like, the way this thing works as a power in the world is if you feed it, it will grow and you will die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the language is very serious. So um, one thing is we... Let's clarify. It's not like I sin, then I drop dead. Although there's right. biblical... There's sometimes that that's happened. happened. Yeah, sometimes um, that's happened. Yeah. But it, it's that we are now participating in the way of death and we're participating in Satan's way, which is death in the world. And even from the whole narrative of the Bible, death would not exist if sin did not exist. Right. And so, uh, so when we're saying that, church, you could be like, these guys are crazy. This, this is like a cult or whatever. And, and maybe that's fair, but, uh, but <laughs> not it's fair. not fair. We're not a cult, to be clear. <laughs> um, but it, there is this aspect of, of sin leading to death, and it means more than just dropping dead all of a sudden. Oh, exactly, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think just that idea of, of really trying to navigate like in, in the midst of... the 
like what's happening during our time. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's important for us, and, and I think we're going to share a couple, but even for us to be intentionally thinking through like what, what is the sin and the evil that we need to be aware of right now? Yeah. You know, like individually in our lives or, or just kind of that's that will help the world. us to pray this better probably. Yeah, like yeah. so if you're able to acknowledge like your sin, the sin you see that's yeah. around that's literally like destroying lives. And, and I think it's so important to realize like it's like our sin doesn't just hurt us. Like yeah. it's literally... It's destroying the lives of people that, that you both know and don't yeah. know love and are enemies and everything yeah. around. Like the reason why there's pain, death, brokenness, injustice, hurt, crying, tears, all of it across the world is sin. And we, we feed that. Like it's just so crazy. We, we feed the system that destroys the lives of people we say we love, which is just that's know, depressing. It's just really depressing. <laughs> yeah, so, that's what, um, well, let me ask you this: like, to before we get into like the prayer, like how to pray through this, because yeah. I think talk this temptation discussion was super necessary for us to know how to pray through right. this. Well, here's another thing that I think will help us to pray through this part of the prayer. But what what's like? What are some of the the evil you're seeing out in the world? The evil you're seeing in us? Uh, the evil you're seeing, huh. uh, or sins, I should say, or whatever in our church that um, you're nervous about, you know, something that you, like if people in our church could be praying about these things for us corporately and for ourselves individually, what are some of those things? I'll share some of those things, but what are some of those things that come to mind when you, when you think of that? Yeah, I'll say one, and I don't, I don't mean to, to just hammer on it too much, but it's one that's already happening. And then one, that I see coming, and I'll yeah. say it, I'll to be real brief. I don't want to take too much time with that, but the one that's already happening that I think at real significant levels is you're you're seeing, and it's a bit nuanced, and it's probably not happening in every home, but um, there are increases in domestic violence, mm. increases in uh, sexual abuse it, during over the last six weeks, like stuff. Since we've been told to stay home, it's like. Man, I don't want to almost reticent to give the percentage, but I'm pretty sure it's like raised by something like 400 to 1,000 percent, depending Jeez. on the statistics you look at. Yeah. There's something so significantly alarming that the more time we spend at home with the people we're supposed to love, yeah. the, that cases of sexual abuse and domestic violence skyrocket that way. Yeah. Because that's the thing that's changed. You're now home with family more. Which is like, oh my! So that is very concerning, and something we need to continue to press into, be, be, and and preach to, pray for, and then really get involved. I think moving forward. And then the second one is just this: my fear is, I think at the same time, God has done and is doing some neat stuff amongst uh, our hearts, and then the heart of the church as a whole, in unity, in mission, in prayer, and all these things. I think the thing we need to be wary of is. Satan will, the evil one will seek to destroy that, will yeah. seek to, to thieve that away and, and just to be aware that, like, hey, that's coming. And yeah. so are we going to give into the temptation to revert back to apathy, revert back to uh, with, you know, lives of no prayer, revert back to greed instead of generosity, all that yeah. kind of stuff. That's good. I really appreciate your heart. Honestly, I think you have a great heart for knowing what our proclivities are. And so that's going to help me pray that. Um, I think the, the some of the big things on my mind in general that I, in our church that I feel is just kind of a constant battle and seems to be growing in our culture is um, the first thing would be just uh, sexual sins in general, all, yeah. all sexual right. sins, whether it's um, redefining sexuality on our own terms or it's... I mean, really, all, all sexual sin is that. It, it is redefining That's really sexuality That's on our own terms. Yeah. Whether, whatever this, the sexual sin is, it's that. And so um, 
so yeah, however that looks, I, I, I think, you know, if I'm honest, it's just staggering how much sexual sin is yeah. there. And uh, here I get, I get the, I grew up in the nineties church. I grew up in these, uh, movements that were, uh, not good and biblical movements around, uh, biblical sex, but it was really these kind of rules and legalistic and they did damage and these kinds of things. But right, right. there's poor, because of that, I think there's the pendulum has swung and been like, those guys were, they had it all wrong. There was nothing right yeah, about yeah. sex that they had. Right. And the problem is that they had some minor things, right. And God's vision of sexuality and how that looks is so much bigger and grander. And so, so yeah, I mean, this just worries me a lot of ways. A lot of times we have shame around these things. Too much, like I think too much shame in the sense that we don't bring them forward to God or to people. Uh, so that, that's just something I think we should be constantly praying about. Yeah, and uh, Yeah, and just praying for our church, that we would be a church that isn't tempted in those things. Uh, another thing I'll just briefly touch on is I think our church and I think our culture is, and I'm not trying to say specifically our church, but I think of the American church, I think we, we just have hearts that want to be divided. And when you look at the New Testament teachings on being united and in union with Christ and in union with each other and uh-huh. that we're one, it's like a top-tier like characteristic of the church. It's supposed <laughs> to be, at least. <laughs> right. And Yeah, it's brought up all the time. Yes. And, yeah. if, and if I'm honest, even now in this coronavirus season... I, I, you, you're beginning to see people drawing lines in the sand, so to speak, and saying, well, you got to do things this way, or you got to do it this way, or you got to do this. And, and there, it, there's not really like any sort of like, like humility. There's not yeah. really any sort of like actual knowledge about what's going on. So sometimes there is, but yeah. it just seems to be like our hearts want to divide, so we divide over these things. And mm-hmm. we, whatever it is, it's going to come up in November with all politics and all of these things, unfortunately. And so I think another thing I'd be just be praying in this area is just um, division in the church. I would just so love if through this next year, that when the world looks at the church, they would go, you know what? Yeah. They, there was a union amongst them. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying like we have to all do things and think th- things the same. No. But that they would see that there was a unity amongst us even though there was diversity of thought, yes. diversity of and practice. And that's really what true unity is. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, so those would be the two things that come to mind. When, that's as, massive. Yeah. And, and honestly, in church, like we're going to spend, the next couple of weeks is going to be addressing some of that, like trying to be, be on the front end of trying to address those issues and how do we kind of work that well. So let, let's transition as we yeah. kind of, we draw back to the prayer here and we kind of land this back with uh, our, our prayer back in Matthew chapter 6. And so again, when you go back, you get this prayer from Matthew six thirteen: lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we come back to the question, why would Jesus then have us pray it? Like yeah. if, if we have a decent understanding of, of what temptation is, what trial is, yeah. what sin is. And so now we come back to this um, why would why would Jesus be encouraging us to say, um, like Lord God Father, you know everything we've said about Him in the prayer so far? Uh, why keep trial and temptation far from me? Yeah. You know, and so we had a few points we to land with. The first one is this: we are weak, but God is strong. And, and each of these are gonna be like we are something, but this yeah, is who yeah. God is. And I think Jesus is trying to drive us as much as He can to uh, to moving towards God Himself because the more we realize our weakness, our fallibility, our uh, incapableness to be able to, to, to fix it and, and, 
uh, and not succumb. It's just not there. You, you fast forward uh, in Matthew chapter 26, you have Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, and he's there with his disciples, and he comes to him and says, like, hey, like, don't fall asleep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, be with me. I need you present. Um, and they, he comes back, he falls, they're, they're asleep, you know, and he says, hey, the flesh is weak. Um, and, that, and I think it's not in, like, the American DNA to, like, embrace weakness. Yeah. It is in the DNA of the kingdom of God, yeah. right? Like, it is at the very core of what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God is, is literally, it's not even just, like, acknowledging weakness, it's boasting in yeah. weakness. That's why I don't work out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. We're both were like, yeah, just how much can we just really? I take it literally. I take it literally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but just that idea of just like, we're called a boast in weakness, yeah, yeah. Uh, and because on the other end of the boasting of weakness yeah. is a deep acknowledgement of the strength of the Lord. I think totally. that's the first one. Yeah, I think the second one is this: when we pray this well, what we'll be reminded of is that we are foolish. Uh, but God is wise, right? Amen. So we're foolish in the sense that we believe that life will be found in the dead things, in, in sin, in death, and in pursuing those things. We, whatever, However we define life, it's usually by some kind of fleeting thing or some kind of sin, often, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves. And so uh, when we pray this prayer, it helps us remember, okay, we pursue folly. God gives us wisdom. He is wise. He will lead us out of these things. Right. Our heart, even though it's lured, even though there's those proclivities, and even though there's an enemy who wants to do evil to us and right. lure us into evil, we can say, God, our wise God, help us to know how to walk through that in wisdom and, and, yes. and to not succumb to those things. And I even, honestly, I even just pray, like, God, keep me from this stuff. Like, help me to not experience this stuff. Yeah. And so I, I think if we zoom back, if we go back to Matthew chapter 4, you look at Jesus being tempted in the desert by Satan, right? Like, he was tempted with these things. Hey, like, these things of the world, which we would be like, yes, like, give yeah. me, you know? He's like, no, that's not where joy yeah. and happiness is found, right? That's just not the way that, that this works. And even thinking through, like, what's, what's really beautiful about Jesus in the desert, like, he was physically weak, um, he was drawn into weakness, but again, that weakness led to a deep, like yeah. really embodied reality of like, no, God is strong and I will rely on his word totally. in the midst of that. So no, that's yeah. good. Um, well, get, well, what's the third thing that? Yeah. Um, I think that the, the next one is, uh, we are not in control, but God is, we're not mm. the authors of the story. Yeah. God's the author of the story. We covered that towards the front end of, of the prayer. Um, but really kind of driving us to this deep reality of, no, no, none of us saw COVID nineteen coming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, at least not at the turn of the year. When we yeah, got into yeah. twenty twenty, it wasn't like, hey, there's going to be this pandemic. Yeah. It's going to affect the whole world. But God did, yeah, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's this, there's this reality that in the midst of Jesus drawing us to pray, like God, lead, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, is this deep abiding reality of God. I don't know what's going on, yeah. and that's kind of okay. Yeah. But really scary, I think, for especially the Western mind, but for humanity in general, to let go of control, to say, like, hey, this is not something that I need to hold on to. God, you know what's happening. You know what's happening in COVID and around our world. You know when this thing will go away. And so let's just rest in, in what, what you say. And here's the thing. Like, he knows the next trial coming, too. Like, the next big thing that's going to hit our world, he knows about that, too. And he'll still be that steadfast person. And we will see that more clearly. Like, we won't be... It won't be surprised by the trial. We won't be caught off guard by the trial because we deeply know that he's the one that's in control. Yeah, no, that's good. 
Um, the fourth thing here, kind of just what, if we pray this well, that I think we learn and focus on is we can't save ourselves, but Jesus has saved us mm-hmm. and does save us. That's right. There, there's actually, yeah. if you study that word salvation, how it's used throughout the Bible is there is this past tense use of it in a sense, and there's this present tense. I, I'm pretty sure there's this kind right. of active, like salvation is happening at God's hands yeah. um, right. through his power right. for us sometimes daily in a sense, not meaning like we're resaved or anything like that, but there's this like thing he's doing that every day we can be reminded of his salvation. And so I think when we pray this, we're heavily reminded of that, that we can't save ourselves. Like if we're going, God, yeah. I can't even handle temptation. Yeah, we want to. Like God. I would just want to do these things when, they, when they're in my path, God. So if you could just lead me away from that or when it is in my path, help me to follow you away from that. Uh, God, I need that. Or even when evil is done to us or evil is luring us to say, God, I... I, when that is happening, I just want to give up. I just want to turn yeah, to the things man. that make me totally. happy yes. and just say, God, please help me out of this. Like, mm-hmm. help me. Like, it just reminds us so mightily of God and who He is and what He does. Yeah. Um, that idea, yeah. right? Deliverance is, is tied to dependence, yeah, right? Totally. So, like, that, oh, yeah. that deep part of the prayer, that He wraps up His prayer with, like, this deliver me, but understand that all of that deliverance is directly tied to dependence upon the Father. The, the last thing we want to say is, is, is to all of you is, even as we pray this, there's just a reality of that, that God, God always answers our prayers. That's just, that's just true. He doesn't always answer it the way we think is best, but He always answers it which is best. Yeah. And I think the reality, even as we kind of navigate this, this weird season that we're still in and future and all that, is sometimes God's going to answer that prayer for us. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He's going to do that through the church, right? Yeah. Like he's going to um, not just kind of like come down and, and just do it in this yeah. you know, miraculous way or whatever. Yeah. He's going to like invite the church in. He's yeah. going to invite fellow brothers and sisters yeah. to come in and be grace and mercy and hope and provision and accountability and yeah. all of those things. And so like honestly, church, I was, we want you to know that like the answer to this part of the prayer for you is, is very much like could be found in your mentor, your RC, your pastors, yeah. your friends, your neighbor. You the know, spirit like, might lead you to talk to one of them in order to lead you out of this temptation. Right, right. Like, yeah. So totally. I, I just I wouldn't want us to land with saying like, okay, just pray this and God's going to take you out of it and it's done. It's no, sometimes you're praying it, you're praying it, you're praying it. And God's like, yeah, yeah, that's why I gave you the church. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and I don't mean that's why uh, God gave us redemption church. It's why God gave us like the church, the yeah. people of God, is that we would be that for one another whilst there is yeah. the king and author and God that oversees everything. Yeah. You know? No, that's really good. I, so, I mean, kind of just to summarize today in general, um, I think this part of the prayer, when God's saying, when we're saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we're essentially looking at all these facets of temptation that we talked about right. and saying, God, when that is luring me, help me. Help me. So maybe That's it's, a, yes. yeah, help, help me, please, me, get yeah. me, get me out of this situation. Right. When your heart, God, change my heart. My heart wants to go that direction. Change my heart. And, and then the lead us out of evil is kind of that same idea. Like, like 
protect us from evil and all that. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's God, protect my heart from wanting to do evil, protect my heart from being harmed by evil. It's all these kinds of things. And so really this prayer, like we just talked, you know, 40 plus minutes or whatever on it. There's all sorts of ways that we can pray through this prayer when we think about temptation, how our hearts interact with temptation, how evil interacts with us. Just pray those things, church, and ask God yes. to move in the midst of those things. Vince, I'd just love to ask, what, what's like a, a gospel connection you're seeing here between this prayer and, and Jesus and what he did for us and, and, and the good news there? And we've touched on a, a bunch of it already. Yeah. Are there, is there anything else there? Um, yeah, I mean, when you, when you ultimately... Jesus was tempted in the desert. Yeah. Uh, which often, right, it's a great temptation. As living completely but, holy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but man, him on the cross, right? Yeah. Uh, when, when you get soldiers mocking you, saying like, if you were God, yeah. take prove, yourself prove down. it. Yeah. Take yourself down. And, you know, a whole angels, legion of angels, yeah. that whole idea. And he doesn't. Right, yeah. Right, like... I could not imagine a greater temptation for me than just be like, all right, dude, you want to see who I am? Like, yeah. here we go, you know? And he's like, no, the way that this has to go is my death. You know, like, oh my gosh. So I, I think when we see, uh, you see it in Hebrews that he was tempted in every way that yeah. we are, yet he was faithful, yet he yeah. was always righteous. So the gospel is this, like, Jesus lived a life we could not live amidst all the temptation of the same world we live in. He was perfect. Even unto the cross and death in the moment of just sheer temptation in the Garden of Gethsemane when he wanted to go the other direction, not my will but yours. At every level, the Lord stood and prayed the same type of prayer to his Father. Father, like, help me. Like, we see how often he retreats to talk to God, and that's what got him through this perfect life to die for us yeah. and to be raised on the third day to defeat yeah. Satan, sin, and death that we once and for all could yeah. be victorious in Christ. That's good. So, yeah. yeah. So, the, I mean, the good news is, I mean, Jesus is the only way through this. Like, the only the, way. Jesus is the only way through this. And he, not only is he the only way through this, he is the only way that this will all be repaired too. This will all uh, Both here and hereafter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Amen. So, well, on that note, let's just pray. Pray, pray for pray. us. Yeah. I'll, let you, I'll let you close in prayer close? since I open okay. prayer. Cool. Uh, yeah, pray with us, and, um, and then we'll transition into uh, a time of response. God, we're thankful um, because we've had the opportunity to read your word and do it together digitally for six weeks now, studying this prayer, but God, hopefully allowing and, and really trusting the Spirit of God to transform us to be people that desperately depend on you and want to talk to you, knowing full well who you are. God, we thank you for this prayer. And we do acknowledge, God, that you are our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We love you. Amen. God bless you, church. Father, your word testifies that the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Lord, if you are the great orchestrator and you command the notes I play, who am I to suggest a C note when you demand an A? And Lord... If you are the great Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, 
then you've already written the script, so why am I still holding my pen? My God, I cannot fathom the depth of your holy power and how it sovereignly governs every moment in time, from the level of dew on the morning grass to the meter and measure of my rhymes. My God, I say all that to ask this. Lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil. Temptation is a path I am all too familiar with, both depth and width. I can tell you about every pothole and turn, every spot the sun burns. I know this road like the back of my hand, even where it ends from this very spot that I stand. So I ask again, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. But that isn't quite how you taught me to pray, is it? There's one word missing that I tend to erase and not only in this instance. I want you to lead me. I want you to deliver me. But this isn't about only me and that's a matter of trust. I gotta take out me from this prayer and replace it with us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How could I be so blind? That simple switch of words changes the context from water to wine, from a verse about me to a familial rhyme, because if I only see through the lens of me, then my eyes will never see 2020. It's ironic because that's the time we're in. So now I ask, how are we being tempted to sin? My brothers, we gotta stand in unity, not pursuing selfish ambition. My sisters, we gotta deny the gospel, prosperity, gossip, and dissension. We can't allow any division. We're the family of God, made one through a righteous decision. Father, deliver us from the hand of evil, which slips in through resentment, which makes its mark through greed and discontentment. Direct the steps of one body in a holy footing. Help us to stand on the rock and be a light like a holy city. We are tempted to fear, so give us courage. We are tempted to hide, but encourage us to fly under the protection of your wings and deliver us from evil.